Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thanks for saying it back. I wasn't sure if you would or not. How many times? How many times in the last few days? How many times in the days to come? How many times in your lifetime have you said those two words together? And, and do you think as we say those words, sometimes their wonder of what all is involved in that first Christmas night might kind of escape us a little bit? They're words that roll off our tongue, but we, we don't often think so deeply about what they mean. I, I don't know what your experience has been in the last few days, if you've been out shopping for last-minute gifts or making sure the groceries are ready, but, but, but I, I have noticed over the last several years that, that nobody wants to say, at least people who work in the stores, Merry Christmas anymore. They always say, Happy Holidays, Right? And so I make a point just to simply say Merry Christmas back to them. And then often they will say it back to me as if they're waiting for someone else to say it. But I heard something new this year. Did any of you hear this? Someone actually said to me these words. If you celebrate, then happy holidays. And I said, I do. Merry Christmas to you too. <laughs> and I hope that that person realized this is something to celebrate. We do celebrate Christmas, right? We still want to wonder about what exactly is all involved in, in God becoming flesh and what that all means for us. And the story of Luke helps us see that once again. Maybe you can't remember the last time, but I bet by, just by glancing at the picture on the screen, there can be a flood of emotions that you see when two new parents look lovingly at their newborn. You can see it, can't you? the joy all over their faces. They're looking at something that they've waited nine months to come, and now here it is, their new baby. Can you imagine, for with me for a moment, those looks on the faces of Mary and Joseph? Think of everything that they had been through that led up to that first Christmas night, a long journey from Nazareth all the way down to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. Finding a place for Mary to have a baby that evening. And then having to wrap their child in strips of cloth and put him in a manger. But can you see it? Those looks of wonder and love on the faces of Mary and Joseph. After all, they had both been visited by an angel to be told this was no ordinary child. This is the son whom you are to give the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So here's my invitation for you this morning. Will you come to Bethlehem with me just for a little bit? Back to that place of Jesus' birth, the baby Jesus lying in a manger, and just be reminded by Luke's words of what a wonderful night that first Christmas truly is. And as we think about that based on Luke's words today, first, first of all, through the eyes of our faith, we once again get to witness our Savior's birth. But as we witness the Savior's birth, we see something even greater. We see right into the heart of our God, and we can marvel at the heart of our God. I would love it if you would join me in reading some of the verses from Luke chapter 2. Is that too small for people to see, or can you see that okay? Let's join together if you're able. We'll read. It's going to go all the way through verse 12. So two slides. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. How many of you really didn't even need to look at the screen? Okay, any of you recite this once upon a time in a children's service probably? You can raise your hands. How many did that? Oh, a lot of people did that. Yeah, it kind of just rolls off the tongue after a while, right? It's something that, that you probably did at some point at least hear children in their sing-song voices in front of a church on a Christmas Eve service recite the words of Luke chapter 2. The chapter is beautiful. It's beautiful in both its simplicity and in the amazement of what Luke is reporting. Maybe it shouldn't surprise us, but the very first people outside of Mary and Joseph, the very first people who heard about the birth of Jesus were some shepherds who were grazing their flocks in fields nearby. Maybe it could surprise us because shepherds weren't exactly kings, they weren't exactly nobles or the religious leaders of the day. But maybe it shouldn't surprise us from this standpoint. Have you noticed as you've read through scripture that the picture of shepherd and sheep runs throughout? It's one of those grand themes that runs throughout the entire Bible. We heard it again in the Micah reading earlier today. And there they are in the town of David. And what was David after all before he became king? But a shepherd. And maybe we could take it one step further. But how could the shepherds know that as they raced off to find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, that what they were actually looking at is the good shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep? The angel had some exciting news for the shepherds, but that wasn't their first reaction, excitement. Their first reaction, as I think we can all understand, is simply fear. They're afraid because an angel has appeared to them. It was the message of the angel that took away those fears. It was the message of the angel that changed their ideas. I bring you good news, the angel said. What do you consider good news in our world today? Is it any time you can watch some report of the news and nothing bad seemed to happen during the day? Maybe it's a promotion at work. Maybe it's, oh, you passed that class that was so difficult. Maybe it's simply your favorite sports team winning a game. But those things really are minor joys that God lets us experience in this life compared to the joy, the good news that the angel brought. It will cause, he said, great joy among all the people. Great joy because what was lying in that manger wasn't just the excitement of a new baby, but a baby that changes everything for you and for me and for all people. Some of you who know the Peanuts gang know that this is Linus. Linus is one of the characters in the Peanuts, and, and this is a still frame actually from the Christmas movie, A Charlie Brown Christmas, that was released, listen to this, all the way back in 1965. Wow. 
Do you know some of the controversy that surrounded this movie? Charles Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts gang, had, had written a comic strip that had boomed in popularity, and so they asked him to make a Christmas special. And when he brought it to the executives, at that time happened to be CBS, they said, no, you, you can't use children to voice the actors. You can't have jazz music playing in the background and no laugh track. And most of all, you cannot have a reference to the birth of Jesus as Savior. You see, written in that script wasn't just the birth of the Savior. It was Linus reading Luke chapter 2. Do you remember how that all came about? If you know anything about Charlie Brown, you know he's kind of a lovable loser. And so Charlie's not having a good time preparing for Christmas. And he finally, in exasperation, shouts out, can anyone tell me what the true meaning of Christmas is? What is Christmas all about? And Linus gives him the answer. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A few years ago, somebody pointed out to me, and I had never noticed this before, kind of a little bit of an aside, I suppose, but that when Linus is reciting those words of Luke chapter 2, when the angel says to the shepherds, fear not, Linus drops his blanket. And if you know anything about Linus, he carries that blanket everywhere. It's his security. It's what he holds on to for his hope. And maybe there's a lesson in that for us too. You see, maybe we feel a little bit like Charlie Brown sometimes with all the hustle and bustle of Christmas, the running here and there, the preparations that need to be made, presents that need to be bought, decorations that need to be put up, baking that needs to be done, wrapping, all of the things can rob us of the joy of Christmas, can't they? And maybe we want to say, well, what is this? What is Christmas all about? And maybe we need to hear those words of Linus, the words of God from Luke's gospel once again, to first of all remember that, that our busyness, our failures to, to once again wonder at the miracle of Jesus' birth, those things can't cancel Christmas. And we have the best security anyone could ever hope for in this life. A savior from sin. Jesus who came to take your place and mine. As I thought about that, I thought about Micah's prophecy that we read a little bit ago. 700 years before Jesus was born, he prophesied where Jesus would be born. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, which if you know the story from Luke 2, took some finagling to get Jesus to Bethlehem. A census had to be declared. That was in fulfillment of something the prophet had said all of those years before. And that's where Jesus ended up, in Bethlehem, the town of David, since he was of the house of David, in fulfillment with God's promises that through David's line, a king would reign on the throne forever. And that's what Jesus came to this earth to do. Not reign in the sense of an earthly kingdom, but rule in our hearts as our Lord and our Savior. You see, the angel tells us that the Messiah is born. Today, in the town of David, the Messiah has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's the one God had promised and people had waited for for centuries. The anointed one who would come to wash away sins, to defeat sin and death in our place. I know 2,000 years have passed, but isn't it amazing what the Holy Spirit can do? How the Holy Spirit can take us back to Bethlehem and through the eyes of our faith let us see that birth 
all over again. We are witnesses of that birth of Jesus, not again with the eyes that we actually have, our physical eyes, but God the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our faith. He opens our hearts to see the baby born in Bethlehem is exactly what we needed, our Savior from sin. The God-man came in the flesh that first Christmas, born for you and born for me. Let's read together the last couple of verses of our text, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Yes, the different translations trip us up every once in a while. I was telling my daughter yesterday that they were terrified in the old King James Version. Do you remember it? They were sore afraid. She's like, what does that mean? I'm like, that's why we have new translations of the Bible, right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's think about that just a little bit. If one angel, if one angel visiting the shepherds caused them a little fear, can you imagine their awe at the many angels that suddenly appeared to praise God? And even though we can be awed by those angels and, and the words that they said, do you feel, do you feel a little bit that question that nibbles at our minds and at our hearts, the question that's begging to be answered, why? Why did God do this? Why did God stoop so low to send his only son to come to this earth, to live as a human being, to subject himself to all the suffering of this life? Why? Why did God do that? This is the wonder of wonders that Christmas brings. God did that for you. God did that for me. That's why Jesus came to this earth. And we know that he stooped even lower, that he went even lower, so low that he was willing to go all the way to a cross. That's what's at the end of the birth of the baby Jesus, a death on the cross, a death that paid for our sins, a death that erases not just sin, but guilt and shame. And we know that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from that grave. And because he did, you have the assurance that God has forgiven all of your sins. You are free. Free from sin and its effects. Free to reflect the joy and the celebration of Jesus' birth today and always. You have exactly what those angels proclaimed to the shepherds. You have peace with God. You have peace to know that God's favor rests on you because of what Jesus has done. You know what the shepherds did right at the end of the story? They went and found things just as they were told. And when they left, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, they left glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. 2,000 years, it's no different. As I was sitting up here before listening to you all sing, the Christmas songs that Steve is leading us. It's just a little taste, isn't it, of the joy that's going to be ours in heaven as we see each other face to face in the place that God has prepared for us through our Savior. That's a celebration. That's why we hold on to that baby in the manger. That's where we see the heart of God in the forgiveness and love and eternity that is ours. Just a couple takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, Luke's beautiful account helps us become witnesses of our Savior's birth. One more verse I'd like to point out at the end of, of Luke's account of Jesus' birth. 
We're told this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's God's invitation to you, too, to witness that birth of Jesus again and ponder what it means for you and treasure his love. Secondly, we believe the true meaning of Christmas is the Savior who was born for us. I love how Paul wrote it in the letter that he wrote to Titus in that second chapter we read early, earlier. The grace of God which brings salvation to all people has appeared. That's why Jesus came. Finally, number three, as we see the newborn Jesus, we see the heart of God, his love for each of us. This is love, John wrote. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. One more time, just take yourself back to Bethlehem. There the shepherds are. They've come to see Jesus. They found him just as the angel told us. Did they hold him? Did they look into baby Jesus' eyes? The Bible doesn't tell us. But what they did see, what they recognized was the heart of God and what Jesus meant in what God had given that first Christmas night. So this Christmas, through the eyes of your faith, will you do the same? Take that baby Jesus. Hold him in your hands. Look into the face of that Savior and know that in that face you are seeing the very heart of God who sent his son to be your Savior. And then know this, as you hold that baby in your hands, it's Jesus who's holding you. Amen.